You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Dan Baer's interview with the writer, director, and producer for the film Violet, Justine Bateman. You're a freak. You're fat. Your hair is gross. You're a baby. You smile. Don't be a bitch. Everyone can see you. You should be falling along. There. Don't you feel better now? I feel weird lately. Are you sick? You know, the committee in your head that tells you that you're a terrible person. You're nothing. Just never really noticed him before. You know what I'm talking about? Sure. You're a loser. Are you okay? You're so selfish. I just don't feel like I'm on top of things. Loosen up. The way I've always been doing things just doesn't work now. You're so beautiful, so delicate, I feel sick. I've been telling myself to do certain things. Hey, sugar plum. Let it go. Act a certain way. There's nothing better than watching her get all excited. Don't cause a scene. Or else something bad will happen to me. How could you be so stupid? Maybe cast yourself in a part you don't want to play anymore. You're a pretty little flower. I'm scared to do things differently. You're going to fail. I'm not listening to that voice. What did you say? I'm a sucker for the power. You'll never find your way back to that kind of freedom. I don't want to be afraid of some terrible outcome. I want to be free. This is a huge mistake. I want to be free. No one will even want to come near you. You will be alone. 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 I want to be free. Hi. What set are you on? I am in the TARDIS from Doctor Who because I feel like I can be anywhere in the whole space-time continuum right now. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Yeah, very, very appropriate. Very appropriate. I should have that, too, because talking from (laughs) one journalist to another... Yeah, right. And I mean, and also, you know, like this premiered back at Sundance in January. And now here we are, October, it's finally getting released. It's been a long journey for this, for this project. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was actually South by and then Toronto. All right, South by, yes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I know there's been so many. Um, <laughs> but, um, it's been, yeah. it's been a long year and a half. <laughs> and, yeah, it's all a blur. Um, but it's it is fantastic because you know the most important character in the film is the viewer and you know made the Mm. film in hopes that people could get like have a freer life and so yeah that now finally the whole intention of the film will will occur you know everybody will get to see it yeah and I'm curious when did the journey of this film actually begin when did you come up with the idea and were you shooting during the pandemic or before oh no, I, I, well, I wrote it in like 2011 and I, oh, wow. I read a lot of scripts around that time and then just, I just put them away. And, and then I went to, you know, UCLA and, and got my computer science degree. And so I did a lot of things in between there. And then I'd wanted to direct since I was 19, but the timing never felt right. But when I graduated from college, uh, I was like, going to be like a, you know, tech entertainment executive. But then I realized like, mm-hmm. oh, my timing's here for directing. So I did the two, my two shorts, um, mm-hmm. five minutes of push, and then raised the money for Violet. So really it's, I would say, you know, even though I wrote it a while ago, it, it wasn't, um, 
I didn't try to get it made or anything. So really it's just, it was like 18 months of raising the money for the film. And then, you know, pre-production, shooting the film, post-production, you know, so it was, uh, it was, it was like that. It was pretty compact like that, you know, just hustling every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, on the one hand, I would very much like to thank you on behalf of myself and a few of my friends for so violently attacking us with this film. (laughs) (laughs) In, In many ways, this feels like a personal attack. And I think that's one of the amazing things about it is we all do have this or at least I think a lot of people, maybe not all of us, but certainly most of us have that little voice in our head that is telling us like, you're not good enough. You're not this or enough or not that enough. And if you don't do the thing that we have been taught to be the right, the right in heavy air quotes thing, then you will fail and the world will, you know, explode around you. Did you in writing this, were you trying to exercise some of your own demons in that way or something you saw in other people? What was the genesis of it? Well, you know, years ago, I made a lot of fear-based, I've done a lot of research in this area, so yeah. so to speak. So, cause years ago I made, you know, a lot of fear-based decisions and uh, was not feeling myself. And, and when I realized like, oh, wow, I can actually, I didn't know, like, don't you just have to be an instinct-based decision, uh, instinct-based person versus mm-hmm. a fear-based person? I thought maybe you're just one type or another. But once I realized you could actually cross the bridge between the two, I was all in. I was like, wait, what? So once I got on the other side of that, I I felt really pissed that like I, I'd had a lot of time stolen from me, mm. not being myself. And so I wanted to share with others like ways to cross that bridge. It's, it's so Violet's really a map to go from someone who makes a lot of fear-based decisions to be someone who makes a lot of instinct-based decisions to really become yourself completely. Um, so in that sense, it's kind of a revenge film. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, it's the film I wish I had seen at 19. So I would have become myself faster than I did, right? Um, and yeah, it's really just about the human experience. It's not about, it's set in Hollywood just to eliminate the variable of like, oh, well, I get why she doesn't, uh, she's critical of herself. It's because she's she's not at a good job or she doesn't live in a nice town or whatever. It's like, no, she does. So that's not the element. The, the element is just in the head. So let's just deal with that because that's what we all have in common. It's not like, oh, we all relate to this because we all work at this kind of job. No, we all relate to this because this is the human experience. We have these negative thoughts that cause us to make fear-based decisions because they're rooted in what it does. All those negative thoughts like touch on our fear of not surviving somehow. Mm. If, you, if, you, if you trace all of them, like you follow the chain, like, and then what would happen? And then what would happen? You know, right? Like you said, like then the whole world will explode. And then what's, what's part of that? You'll die, right? Yeah. I've found that my system doesn't know the difference between a, a real fear and, uh, and an irrational fear. Like when you wake yeah. up dreaming and your family's been killed and you wake up crying, maybe even and panting. Yeah. And then you have to tell yourself, oh, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It wasn't a dream. Well, your system didn't know that. So in that same way, we have these irrational fears, right? Or we have these like negative thoughts that, mm. that tap into those irrational fears. So we wind up doing things because we're trying to survive. Mm-hmm. When in fact, you're like, no, if I wear that shirt to the party, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but once we start looking at that, then it's like, oh, wait, hold on. 
you're telling me the boogeyman's behind that curtain, but there's nothing there. And then that'll enable us to, in, to greater and greater degrees, make choices in our life that are more us. That, so then we become more ourselves, which benefits us. We have a more enjoyable time and we get to have the life we're supposed to have and also benefits everyone around us. Because if someone else is making fear-based decisions, I'm missing out on what they're gonna to contribute to society, right? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. The thing about this movie is, is a lot of these, these fear-based decisions you're talking about, a lot of those fears, I think, are learned. They're ingrained in us from a very young age by by our parents, by a society, by things we see when we are at such an impressionable age and when we don't really have an understanding of a full understanding of the world around us. And you have to learn as you grow up. And that's one of the really interesting things about this film is that it is incredibly specific about this main character, but Mm -hmm. is tapping at something so universal. And that was a great balance of the film is you have these flashbacks to when she was young that explain why this is such a difficult process for her specifically but like most great art it becomes universal because this is something we all go through the specifics may be different but we do learn by watching art and experiencing the world and that's such an important important message and I feel like is especially relatable after 2020 yeah there's a line she has that says um why am i so aware that the way i've always been doing things is not working anymore yeah and that line resonated with me so so much (laughs) but i mean it's true so many things too Mm -hmm. right like um we have jobs that we're at where we're like this job's great. And then one day it, like it's, it, it expires almost. You're like, oh, I, I think I need to move on or, or a relationship or a friendship or a particular apartment you live in or something you eat for breakfast every day and you love it. That's what you want to eat for breakfast every day. And then one day you're like, I never want to see this again. I don't know what just happened, you know? But yeah, that's kind of the day. And you make a good point about, you know, these fears that we learn too. Like 
yeah, so every generation passes on their fears to us. Like we start, you know, we look at a bunch of kids playing in a playground, like they're having fun, they're being themselves, everything. And then, and then they sort of get like a tree that gets pruned, right? Like mm. this limb gets lopped off and this gets, you know, like people trying like, no, you've got to become like this. And so my hope is that if we, if we, if we recognize the, the fears as lies or the critical thoughts as lies, then you go, and maybe like you said, it's something you learned as a kid. And you're like, that might've been true for that person or that's what that person wanted to subscribe to, but it's not true for me. Yeah. And what if I didn't subscribe to it? What would happen? And then to empirically know, to, to go and find out that it's not actually true, to go into that situation. I mean, that's, do you know what I mean? That's like, yeah. then you're like, oh my God, none of this was true. Or it's like somebody saying, don't go to, you know, don't travel to, uh, you know, I don't know, New York, you know, everybody on the street's going to try and stab you. And then yeah. you're like, oh my God. And then you go, you're like, I really have to just go find out. And you go and you get to New York and you're like, and you're afraid that maybe that's true. Right. But then you get there and you're like, wait a minute, I love this place. This isn't what people said at all. You know what I mean? And then, and then damn it. It's like you were, you know, I could have come yeah. years ago. What, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, th that's literally my story as I moved it to New is. York like seven years ago. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, um, it's great to go find out. And then, yeah. and then it frees you to make all kinds of other decisions that are what you want to do versus, you know, fears you've learned or that somebody else has put on you, like you said. Absolutely. This movie is a lot stylistically mm -hmm. um you know you have the voiceover narration courtesy of the fantastically cast justin through yeah. you have that on-screen text mm -hmm. you have cutaways to these flashbacks or dreams or other things and you have that red wash that comes in and the noise the sort of thrumming throbbing noise that comes in underneath that it all seems very purposeful mm -hmm. but at what point did you look at all these things that you had come together to make the point that you were going to make and go, I think this is exactly the right amount to portray what I want to portray? Right. So I wanted it to be a completely immersive experience mm -hmm. for the viewer. I mean, as much as you can with a film, right? right? So that is why there are those elements. And yes, everything is, and, and you know, really, you know, people say like, oh, there's so much going on. It made me feel anxiety and all this. It's like, <laughs> yes, good, because yeah. that means you're right so i mean and the brain is far more complex than what i just portrayed you know because at the same time you're having these like oh my god i don't want to be acting like this and at the same time the voice is talking to you and at the same time you're having memories and you're having emotions and there's all these other things that i did don't have in the film that you know we're very complex uh, entities you know so um but yes everything i had uh in the initial script, I had the red wash. I had the violent interstitials that 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 showcase how how much damage these negative thoughts have on our psyche. You know, I mean, we brush it off and go, "I'm just hard on myself," but it it really does, especially if it's a cut in the same place over and over again. And then you part, to, you know, and then it becomes a scar, and then you think that's part of your personality, and it's not. It's like like you said, like a learned fear from your childhood that's not true. But I had only about, I have everything in there except I only had half of what the, the voice winds up saying. And I didn't have mm. any of the handwriting. And when I got to what be the what should have been the final cut, 
And I just didn't feel it wasn't locking in for me. It wasn't that complete experience for the viewer that I wanted. And I realized, oh, the voice can't let up on her. He has to be banging on her the whole time or mm -hmm. otherwise the film's over. And then I also needed that element of that passionate desperation to get out of the situation. And then I didn't know how I was going to inject that into the edit. And then I realized like, oh, I'll just write it on the screen. Like, um, you know, that great uh, balcony scene that uh, in Annie Hall and Woody, Woody Allen. Yes. And they're having this conversation, but you have the subtitles like, oh my God, mm -hmm. why did I say that? I sound so stupid, yeah. right? So that kind of thing. And also there's the, I, you know, I've made collages my whole life and done a lot of handwriting on those collages and the work of Peter Beard's um, uh, African uh, collages and Ed Templeton's work where he writes on photographs and stuff. So, so I, I was like, oh, wow, that, and I didn't know if it would work. I thought that's a good choice, but I, and then once I put it on, it created this pressure cooker on Olivia's performance that really mm -hmm. created, you know, more of that immersion that I want for, wanted for the viewer. So, um, and then I knew, and then I knew I was done at that point. I was like, okay, it's locked in for me now. It's, it's snapped into place now for me. Yeah. Well, it definitely, it definitely comes across. I felt, um, like I said, deeply personally attacked while watching this movie and in the best way possible. Now? Yeah, in the best way possible. And it, it is a cathartic experience, I think, especially after the year we've all been through. Um, so thank you very much for this film. Are you, what's the next thing you're working on? Is it something similar, something different? Can you say? Oh, well, I mean, there's a, I, you know, I have a lot of scripts that I want to shoot. And uh, there's two films in particular that uh, I'd love to do next. Uh, if, you know, but, you know, you'd like back on the hamster wheel of raising the money. <clears throat> One of them I can tell you is, uh, is an adaptation of my second book called Face, which is about women's faces getting older and why that pisses people off. Mm. And that book is in the form of, um, and that too is about like, What's the fear you have? If, if, if everybody knows you're, you know, if everybody knows that my face is wrinkled and my, you know, eyelids are getting more hooded and stuff, then what's going to happen to me? Hmm. Why do I need to fix that? What's going to happen? Is my life not going to give me the opportunities that it always had? Or if those people think I look older, are they going to somehow ruin my life? Or are they hmm. just going to, or am I just not going to be friends with them? That's fine with me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it kind of ties into violence. Yes. That's in the form of uh, 47 short stories. So I took 14 of those and adapted them into the into a film. So that's that's one thing I'd like to shoot, but I got to raise the money. So I just got to do that now. Sounds very much like the film that Violet is trying to get produced in Violet. So I am yeah, even more- The next more... thing I'm gonna do is Fox Run. Yes, <laughs> even more looking forward to it now. Thank very you. Meta. So thank you so much for that and looking forward to that movie and thank you for Violet and thank you for talking with us today. Good to talk to you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Dan Baer's interview with the writer, director, and producer for the film Violet, Justine Bateman, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Violet is currently playing in theaters and will be on video on demand on November 9th from Relativity Media. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.
You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.